Do you know what you're listening to? And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. It's basketball time in the triad and all across North Carolina and all across the ACC and the Big Ten. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Snowman in the Morning, brought to you by Beamer Tire and Auto and Retro King in Winston-Salem. Man, I got a whole bunch to get to. The ACC Big Ten Challenge begins tonight. Questions about Zion Williamson. Of course, we have our headlines during each hour of the show. My good friend Jay Spivey will join me to talk ACC basketball and also... I welcome Todd Willert, the head coach of East Forsyth Football, the defending two-time 4A state champions. Holy cow, as we take a look, as we are taking a look at high schools in the state by interviewing coaches, players, and beat writers to give you the latest news, stats, facts, and figures you can't find anywhere else. Todd Willert will join me. All my guests join me via the Beamer Tyrant Auto Hotline. And you can also drop us a tweet and a follow on Instagram or on Facebook. Search the ID, S- uh, excuse me, official SIT Morn. Let's get right into it, shall we? ACC Big Ten Challenge is tonight. And there are two huge games on the docket involving the Tar Heels of North Carolina and the Blue Devils of Duke. Let's start with North Carolina. They take on... Probably the biggest challenge to date. And it is big man Luca Garza, who is averaging 34 points per game. As North Carolina travels to Carver Hawkeye Arena to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Oh boy. You thought North Carolina had a challenge against Texas? A scrappy Texas team? They're going to have a hell of a challenge tonight when they face the preseason Big Ten Player of the Year candidate in Luke Garza. 34 points per game. Had a chance to take a look at Mr. Garza. And holy catfish does this kid have a well-rounded game. I have never seen, and I this includes... Giannis, this includes a couple of others that I've seen play this position. I liken Luke Garza to Rick Smith's. Here's why. Man can step out and hit a jump shot. It's very feathery. Difference between Garza and Smith's is that Garza can step out 25 feet behind the line and the man has some arc on his shot. Lots and lots of arc. He can bang you down in the post, and if you're shorter than him, good luck. If you're as tall as him, again, good luck. If you have him one-on-one, good night. That's what North Carolina has to face tonight. So what do the Tar Heels need to do to contain, and contain is the operative word here, to contain the preseason player of the year candidate. Well, North Carolina has some pretty skilled bigs of their own. And, well, as the saying goes, you got to fight fire with fire. 
you got to sick them, which means I suspect and expect Roy Williams to turn the dogs loose and put all his bigs on Garza at the possible peril of the outside shooters of Iowa hitting their shots and hitting them with consistency. You have to take Garza out of the game. And the way you take Garza out of the game, surround him. Surround him with just as athletic bigs who can give him uh, trouble in the post. And when I say trouble, you can't allow him any kind of room. You can't allow him any room. For the, as a junior, he was named the consensus first-team All-America and Big Ten Player of the Year last year. This guy from Washington D.C., all six foot eleven of them. Mm. Number fifty-five, which means Armando Baycott is going to get some shots at him, and the rest of the North Carolina bigs, Dayron Sharp, is going to get some shots at him. You have fouls, use them. But you don't want to use all your fouls yet. Oh, man. Is it an advantage? There will be no crowd at Carver-Hawkeye Arena? Yeah. Yeah, I say it is. Because just like I talked about with Cameron Indoor Stadium, you don't have 15,000 people breathing down your neck. And does it help that for UNC, three of the first four games are away from Chapel Hill? Yes, it does. It gets it, You're not going to see crowds for a while, at least until March. At least until March. So what you have to do is take advantage of it and get used to playing in enemy territory. That's how Roy Williams set up the schedule. Three of the first four are away from Chapel Thrill. And you have to you, you have to get in your mind and just play with the mindset of we're not going to have any crowds. Even when they start coming back, you have to play with the mindset that we're going to be in enemy, enemy territory most of the time, especially when the tournament comes around. So I think it's going to help UNC with three of their four, first four being away from the Dean Dome. Second big matchup, finding Illini, I-L-L-I-N-I, against the 10th-rated Duke Blue Devils. That's 9.30 tip on ESPN. Carolina and Iowa from Carver-Hawkeye Arena goes at 7.30 on ESPN. Can Matthew Hurt be the leading scorer for this Duke team? Yes, he can, as long as he is able to to get to the basket, and I mean slash to the basket, cut to the basket, let your teammates find you, find a way to get to the hoop, and if you find ways to get to the hoop, then it's going to be pretty easy to get your shot going from the outside. See, I always played or thought to play inside out. Inside out. But when you have a forward, the, the, the caliber of Matthew Hurt 
Get him the ball. You want to get him the ball, especially against an Illinois team that loves to come after you. Who am I looking for to pick up the scoring for Duke? I'm looking for Jalen Johnson to do that. Because when Jalen, if Jalen Johnson is able to pick up the scoring, you take the ball out of Illinois guard Aya Dosumu, who's averaging almost 24 points a game. Now, to reverse the question that I asked before, does it hurt Duke that they have played all of their games to date at home? Yeah, it has. Because you don't have that home court advantage. See, most of the team, most of the top tier teams, and I'm talking about the Power Five Conference, schedule all of their home games for like November and December because they don't want they they want to get they want to get the players, the young players, the first timers, um, and get the crowd behind them and let them know, hey, we're going to be cheering for you all season long, home and road. With that taken away because of the coronavirus. It's going to be harder to do. It's going to be real hard to do. Okay? So it's more hurt. It does more harm than good. That's the phrase I'm looking for. It does more harm than good for Duke to be at Cameron Indoor Stadium, especially with Illinois coming off of a loss especially with the Illinois coming off of a loss to Baylor, their first loss of the year, and they only dropped one spot in the poll. So Illinois still has a lot to prove to a lot of people. And I'm from Illinois, so I'm going to be cheering for them as well as my beloved Northwestern Wildcats, but that's another story. Who will guard Aya Dosumu? Who will guard the leading scorer, for Illinois who's going to do who's going to do that tonight DJ Stewart's going to have a shot at him Jeremy Roach is going to have a shot shot at him I expect those two to for the most part uh, Jamin Brakefield I expect those guys to be the main rotationals that will guard Dosumu. Because with Dosumu going 100 miles an hour, you got to slow him down to about 50. Because if he gets Illinois in that offense, they're going to get a good shot. And again, a lot to prove for Illinois because they're coming off of a loss. So it's North Carolina and Iowa at 7.30. Illinois and Duke at 9.30. Both games are on ESPN as part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I used to cover the ACC Big Ten Challenge when I covered NU as well as Illinois. It's a great event, and I'm hoping next year fans will be back in it so they can really experience college basketball. To the NBA now, Snowman in the Morning, brought to you in part by Beamer Tire and Auto, because we know you can go anywhere. Try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto. Questions about Zion Williamson. Now, I've had fun with this. Zion Williamson, of course, played at Duke University. He came into the league with an injury, missed half of his rookie season with an injury, and now heading into his second season, Zion says he has 
no restrictions heading into his second year. Oh, yeah? You have any restrictions running? You have any restrictions getting up and down the floor? Do you have any restrictions forming, perfecting, and hitting a jump shot? I made the assertion on this program a year and a half ago that Zion Williamson is playing out of position. At Duke, he was a man, a man among boys. Don't get it, don't get it twisted. He got, he was a man among boys. Okay, I get that. But now you're playing with men. You're playing with men, Mr. Williamson, that are bigger than you, that are stronger than you, that are faster than you, at any position. And I certainly don't want Zion Williamson to suffer the fate of one Hashim Thabit from Connecticut, if you remember him. What was wrong with Hashim Thabit? His conditioning. That's one of the biggest things I fear with Zion Williamson. That he will, ne and especially playing in New Orleans. And if anybody has been to New Orleans, you know the food that they have down there. If anybody has been to New Orleans, you know the food that they have there. And I make mention of that for this. There's going to be, and, and I have this problem also with my weight, and I'm learning to deal with it, and I'm learning to make better of it. I say all that to say this. For Zion Williamson, there's going to have to be some discipline involved. And I mean discipline to the point, you don't want to overdo it, but you want to do it, and you want to do it right. First of all, Zion Williamson has to get his weight down. I'm not one to speak about how much he should weigh because I know he's carried a lot of muscle. He has a lot more muscle than I do, okay? But I, 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 I beg of you, Zion Williamson, see a nutritionist to find out what your best weight is. And on top of that, run some laps, which is what I'm gonna start doing in January. You know, I got a weight goal myself. I don't mean to personalize this, but I'm sick and tired of people saying that I'm sick and tired of people saying that Zion is just was just going to be the runaway rookie of the year. Well, how'd that turn out? Thank you, John Moran, for that. I will never say that Zion Williamson is athletic. I am not going to say that Zion Williamson is not a good athlete, okay? I'm not gonna say he's not a good athlete. All right, he's a phenomenal athlete. I was seeing him play in high school, but he was overweight. He was overweight then, and he's overweight now. And there's a lot of people that are going to hate me for this. I, I tell you, there's a lot of people that are going to hate me for this statement. But I've said it on this show, and I'm going to go ahead and say it again. And I want to say it for the people who think they know how I think, who think my basketball knowledge is limited. Okay? I want you to listen very carefully to me. If Zion Williamson doesn't get his weight down, 
get in better conditioning shape to run up and down the floor for 72 games, nor develop a pulse game or a consistent jump shot. You know who he's going to end up like? LeBron James. LeBron James has gotten by only on his athleticism for 17 years going on 18. And that is a problem with a generational talent with the likes of Zion Williamson. He may be able to do all these fancy dunks, but what about when he lands? What if he blows out an ankle again? What if he blows a knee out again? He's carrying too much weight. He's got to get that down, and he's got to get his skills in order. Because if he doesn't, he's going the way of LeBron. Quickly. He's going the way of LeBron very, very quickly. Snowman in the morning brought to you in part by Beamer Tire and Auto because we know you can go anywhere. Try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto. Pause for a break. When we come back, we got some headlines for you brought to you by Retro King, including what in the world happened last night with the doubleheader in Monday Night Football? What? A Monday night double a Monday night football doubleheader? Yeah, that happened. Back in a deuce. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and auto repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamRetire.com. Jay Spivey has partnered with SportsCarolinaMonthly.com to bring you SCM Plus, a subscription service where you can get inside info weekly on your favorite teams and players in North Carolina. Subscribe for only $4 a month at SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. And Jay is with me right now. What's going on, partner? How you doing, Brian? Doing good. I'm a little tired, but I'm doing good. I just I just had some chocolate a moment ago, so I think I got a little bit of a rush now. Let's get started. Let's start with some ACC basketball. ACC Big Ten Challenge tonight. Who needs a win more, Carolina or Duke? I'd say the way things have gone so far, probably Duke. I mean, they haven't played very well yet. I was thinking the same thing. Carolina got some pretty good wins last week in the Maui Invitational. So, mm-hmm. And Duke is, I mean, they, they won some games. They really haven't played well. They really haven't. You look at the game against Michigan State where they uh, allowed a guy named Rocket to just continually drive right by them. I don't. I mean, I I don't know that this is a, a you know your typical great Duke team. I mean, they're good, obviously, but. You know, to this point, I mean, who knows what anybody's doing at this point because there's been so many cancellations and postponements. Right. But I, they haven't been impressive so far. They sure and haven't. Carolina really hasn't been either, but Carolina really hasn't been either, but at least they won. I mean, they played pretty well in the Maui Invitational, so yeah. I'll give them that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. I'll, I'll give them that. Texas played them, down to the, played them down to the buzzer. I'd rather have that with a little bit of confidence going into the ACC Big Ten Challenge this week than what Duke had to go through with their top ten matchup against Michigan State. Speaking of big matchups, 
Is Luke Garza the best player in college basketball? He might be. <laughs> that's a good. <laughs> that's a good question. He might very well be. I've seen him play now. I saw him play last year. Looked at some highlights. Good God, what can't he do? I, you know, I didn't know much about him until the last week or two, unfortunately. But I mean, yeah, the talk about him and watching him, and I mean, he's the, the the. I hate to say this, but the dude can flat out play. Yeah, yeah, that's a scary, scary combination of skills that he has. Can Carolina combat him with what many consider to be the deepest and best front court in college hoops this season? I'd certainly think Roy Williams. It has the coaching acumen to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they could do that. They could certainly do that. Looking at the top 25, AP top 25 this week, four ACC teams appear, Duke, Carolina, Virginia, and Florida State. None are ranked higher than 10th. Is the ACC being underrated Actually, I think it's a, it's very clearly a down year for the ACC. I mean, even you know Virginia was so highly highly thought of when the season started a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Duke was, but none of them have really been impressive. And you know, some of them are lucky to still be in there. Yeah, and, you know, I, I know I know a lot of people probably aren't going to uh, like what I'm about ready to say, but the ACC typically gets a little bit of a pass every year in thinking that's the preeminent basketball conference and pretty much year in and year out they are but uh some some years they're overrated and i think this is one of those years it just might be because the best example i can give right now is virginia losing by one point to san francisco they were rated fourth at the time of the loss and they went tumbling not only out of the top 10 but out of the top 16 i put a post up on Mm -hmm. one of my facebook pages that said virginia's season was blown to smithereens because of that loss. And I also put in a comparison. I said, remember 1982 to Chaminade? Now that year, they did get all the way to the Final Four in Albuquerque, but they didn't get to the championship game. This is kind of like the same situation. They can stop teams from making baskets. Unfortunately, the down part of that is they can't put the ball in the basket. You know, for all that Tony Bennett has done, he is a phenomenal coach. They really struggle to shoot the ball a lot of times. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't think that with Tony Bennett being the coach. What? Why is it that they can excel on – what is it with Virginia, even given their national championship? Why is it that they can excel defensively but struggle offensively? I think that's part of the way they play with that, with, with that defense they play, that, you know, that pack – the, the the way they played the pack pack line defense, I, I think that's part of it. I think they probably work on their defense probably harder than they do their offense. <laughs> that's so true. You saw it against San Francisco. Jay Spivey joining me here. You can find him on Twitter at Jay Spivey WSJ. Clemson and Notre Dame are set for a rematch for the ACC championship, and there may be a third wink, match wink. coming. Is Notre Dame the best wink, team? Wink. wink, wink. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> is is Notre Dame playing the best football in the country or is Alabama? I think I know your answer, but I'll pose the question anyway. 
I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say the Alabama or Crimson Tide have. To me, I watch a lot of their games. As a matter of fact, I think I watch all of them. Mm-hmm. And to me, I don't see a team anywhere remotely close to them right now. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't see anyone close I mean, to Alabama either. Even though Notre Dame, I know, I know LSU. I know LSU is down, and I watched almost the whole game Saturday night. But mm-hmm. they just destroyed, just destroyed LSU, and pretty much did the same thing to Auburn the week before that. Yeah, they did forty-two and fifty-five points respectively. You know, with Clemson and Notre Dame about to play a second time for this time for the ACC championship. That's on the nineteenth. That's in Charlotte. If Clemson wins. Do both teams get in the college football playoff, and do they play a third time? I think they probably will both get in if if Clemson wins. Um, if they play a third time, I think you. I doubt they'd put it head to head in the semifinal. So it would right. be more likely they play each other in a national championship. Yeah, that would be a national championship matchup. Jay Spivey joining me here, talking all things ACC as he does every week. What are your thoughts on the bowl games here in 2020? Many of them will probably be canceled. A couple have already been canceled. Other than the playoff games, is there a particular bowl that we have to play? Not particularly, but, I mean, for football junkies like, you know, college football junkies like myself, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see as many as possible. But, Same. You know, it just seems like, there's a, seems like there's a domino effect the last couple of weeks where there's cancellations. I mean, as we sit here, I mean, the L.A. Bowl canceled on Monday, mm-hmm. which was supposed to be the a new a new bowl in the the glistening new stadium in Los Angeles. Yeah, so that got canceled on Monday. And yeah, I'm sure there'll be some more between now and whenever bowl season starts. Yeah, the the first cancellation I saw was the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, and I always loved watching that particular bowl game because you see teams that you don't see before, and they wind up putting up some of the highest scoring games that 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 you've seen. Then I find out that the Pinstripe Bowl in New York, that got canceled. It's a domino effect waiting to happen. Well, some of these comments, I mean, the ACC, I think, I believe, that, if I'm correct, I believe the ACC's already lost five bowl tie-ins already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're, they're getting destroyed by all these cancellations. They are. They are. And don't know what to, well, I don't know what to think, but it's going to be up to the ACC championship as well as the college football playoff to kind of rescue the ACC, don't you think? Well, I would, th- I would think so. I mean, but <laughs> tip, you know, year in and year out, I know this is an anomaly with, with Notre Dame so-called in the conference this year. Although that's another story for another day. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, other than other than really Clemson, the last five or six years, however long it's really been now that they've been on this long run, I mean. Nobody in the ACC has really been competitive nationwide other than Clemson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, this year, Notre Dame's in it. And, you know, like I said a few minutes ago, I mean, ACC pretty much, even though they're the two best teams, and I'll give the Notre Dame and Clemson are the two best teams yep. in the league. Yep. But the ACC pretty much handed it to them last week when they made the schedule changes. Did, did Carolina coming into the season have a chance to surprise in the ACC, or did the schedule and the games play out kind of the way you expected i'm i'm a little surprised especially to me when they lost to florida state i mean they had no business losing to florida state i mean mm-hmm. they to me got way more time florida state is a train wreck right now so yes I don't know how they lost to them 
I, I, I saw mean, the score. A terrible loss. I, I saw the score, and this is when I had my matrix up on my monitor. I saw the score thirty-one to seven at halftime, and I'm going, "What? They're losing to Florida yeah, State that bad?" I mean, they have no business losing to Florida State. They're, they're a much better team than they are. You know what? If you think about it, they had no business losing to Florida State. They also had no business losing to Virginia. They had no business surrendering 44 correct. points, no business surrendering 44 points and plus 400 yards to a Virginia squad that got rammed the week before. Yeah, they were, I agree. You know, that, that Virginia is definitely one of those they should have won. I mean, yeah. that's, that's two more wins right there, and they'd, they'd be right in the conversation with Notre Dame in question. Had they Absolutely. Not done that. Absolutely. They, they, it'd be more than just a bowl game talk for uh, for North Carolina, but if they run if they run the table and get and get to the Notre Dame game, they're right in the thick of the conversation for the ACC title. Absolutely, and they, to me, outside of Trevor Lawrence, Sam Howell is probably the best quarterback in the league outside of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, you got you gotta you gotta be able to capitalize at some point because he's probably only going to be there one more year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just not usual when Carolina gets a quarterback this good. Yeah, you know, if you remember correctly, he had committed to Florida State and yes. then decommitted and went to Carolina. I mean, I I started paying attention to uh, Carolina football in 2015 when a fellow named Marquise Williams was uh, what was mm-hmm. was their quarterback, and then Sam Howell shows up and just wows me, you know. And I'm I'm yeah. like you, I'm a college football junkie. I am a college football addict. I'm a football addict. Okay, me watching too. all me the too. games each weekend that's a lot of fun. But then when I saw, I, I, I'll never forget this, and I told this story on the show, Wake Forest and North Carolina were playing at Keenan Stadium. When I left the house, it was Wake Forest by 21. When I got on site to call a basketball game, North Carolina had rung up 59 points. And I went, right. what? <laughs> <laughs> That's college football these days where yes, it's all it is. offense and hardly any defense. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, finally, many well, people – go ahead. The question is, is Wake Forest ever going to play, play a football or a basketball game again with all the COVID issues they're having? That's a great question. That's a great question. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's going to happen. They've been really affected a lot by COVID in football and men's basketball. Yes, indeed they have. In, indeed they have. I miss um, – I wanted to see them play Notre Dame, see if Wake Forest can find a way to play spoiler. I, I mean, I, I, I've been to many, many, many Wake Forest games over in my lifetime. And, you know, the fact that you know, they've had very limited crowds this year and, and the first couple of games they didn't have any crowds. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to the Notre I mean, they had Notre Dame and Clemson on the original schedule, and then Notre Dame eventually got moved and then canceled. And Clemson, they played with no fans there at all in the, the first game of the year. So, Nobody was able to see any of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just hoping they're fan. I, I just hope by the spring we see some fans in the stands again because I miss that. I, I miss seeing that, especially when I it comes so. to college sports. Me too. Me too, Brian. But, you know, if you listen to, to some of the medical experts, it's probably going to be summer before we see, see any kind of people in the stands I agree. On, a, on a large basis. I agree. I agree, but we're already into the transition into 2021. You know, we waited this far to get some fans and, and, and have it safely. I can wait until summer. 
because I want to get Absolutely. back out on the, I, I want to get back out on the microphone again. <laughs> Absolutely. If we waited nine months to see any, I mean, if you you think back in the spring and the summer, we had absolutely nothing to watch. No. So if we if we waited that long, we can wait another six months or whatever it is before we had before we're able to get in the stands. Absolutely, game. absolutely. Finally, many people in the triad know you covered prep sports in the area for years. What were your initial thoughts on the realignment for the NCHSAA and changing football championships from eight back to four? Is this good or bad for area high schools? I think it's good in terms of you're going to get the best teams winning, but I was shocked that they did it because that's a lot of money they're losing. A lot of money. Yeah, it is. They're losing. When you think about that, I mean, you're you're doubling. if The way they had it with eight championships, not just the championships, but the, the games leading up to the championship, you know, after a certain point, a good chunk of the money goes to the state. Yep. And that's a lot of money these schools and the and the association is not going to be able to get from football. Exactly. And let's face it, football is a cash cow. Mm-hmm. And it supports a lot of other programs in, in the state. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Went through that. I up was in, shocked they did that. Just shocked. I went through that in, in I went through that in Indiana when they expanded the basketball and the football championships. So the football championships went from six well, to eight. Been, I forgot what year they actually expanded the to eight championships. It's yeah. been like 20 or 25 years. I forgot mm-hmm. the exact year, but I was surprised they did it then, but I'm shocked that they're going back to the original plan. I, I'm, and football coaches have to be kind of really upset about it. Yeah, I don't... Especially, I mean, Brian, I mean, let, let's face it, in the 4A level, which, you know, I, I covered a lot of 4A games over the last however many years, and there are, you know, a fair amount of 4A teams in Forsyth County and Winston-Salem. And East Precise won the last two 4A state championships, but it's going to be hard for these 4A teams in Winston-Salem and Greensboro to compete with Charlotte and Raleigh schools. It's right. It's going to be hard to do that. Right. It's just, I mean, you don't have the amount, you don't have the population base that they do in Charlotte and Raleigh. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And that's not a negative thing against Precise County and Guilford County and the right. other counties that right. have larger schools. But, right. But it's just, that's just reality. And that's all it and that and that's all it is. Like I said, it went through it up in Indiana when they expanded not just for basketball but for football. They did the same thing in Illinois where I got where I got started. They expanded the basketball to four classes instead of having just two. And right. I wouldn't be surprised if some other states follow suit to what North Carolina did. Just have to see what happens. Jay Spivey joining me here on the program. Don't you forget. Subscribe to SCM Plus for only $4 a month at SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. I love having you on each week, buddy. Thank you very much. I enjoyed having being on there myself. Thanks, man. Talk to you next week. All right, Brian. Take care. More headlines and then a very special guest. Next hour begins after this. Hey everybody, this is Brett Wiseman, the host of The Score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio and TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Join James Wilson and I each week, 10 a.m. Saturday mornings as we take you through national sports, local sports, as well as our Tobacco Road Roundup, which we do local coverage of your favorite college and professional teams. Every Saturday morning, 10 a.m., me, James Wilson, be there, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. The Score with Brett Wiseman. Saturdays at 10 a.m. on Tobacco Road Sports Radio.
This week's Snowman in the Morning is taking a look at high schools in the state by interviewing coaches, players, and beat writers to give you the latest news you can't find anywhere else. And today, there's a legend on the Beamer Tire and Auto Hotline. <laughs> we have East Forsyth head coach Todd Willard, a two-time defending state champion. How are you, my friend? Great to talk to you. I'm doing great, Snowden. What a what an introduction! I appreciate that. Some people are gonna probably turn the show off right now. Adrian Snow from Western Sites might turn the show off right now. But no, things are going great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Before we get into the changes from the NCHSAA announced last week, how are you and your program doing? Talk to me about this whirlwind hey, of a year. Yeah, man, we're, we're doing great. Honestly, our county has done a great job of allowing us to do things with our athletes in Forsyth County. I think they've they've really done great putting protocols in. So it's been great being with the kids. We're in the weight room even with them now, and, and everything's been great for us. And, and it ain't just about football. I think the kids really – needed that one-on-one -on -one and being with the coaches and I can be honest I needed it too so yeah I'm just very grateful that Forsyth County has been so so uh good by handling this problem right now I'm I'm happy I'm happy to hear that from a coach and happy to hear that from the kids because yeah we're in the midst of a pandemic but you know these are kids that miss playing with their buddies miss pushing them and getting them ready for for a new season with everything pushed back it's just it just adds a lot of time so i'm happy for 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 you for the kids and for Forsyth county yeah it, it's been wonderful just them having the communication and just being around their friends um a little bit of normalcy you know what i mean and yes it's been it's been great oh man i'm so happy for you and the bunch what has it been like building your program brick by brick where you had early success with teams, couldn't get over the hump, and then finally breaking through with your first state title, with East Forsyth's first state title since 1992 and 2018, and then you top that with a repeat championship in 2019 that has a slew of key players injured throughout the campaign. How has the community responded with the success? Oh, it's been great. Our support in Kernersville is just, it's that small town Hoosiers, you know, if, yes. if you ever watch that old basketball movie. I mean, it's its just like that. I mean, from the parades to the send-offs to, to everything, our, our community support and our school support, our teacher support, I mean, our, it's awesome. I, I mean, it, it, it's something really special, and I really think it sets us apart, just kind of, being from Kernersville, we're kind of a town school, even though you're in this big county. Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of have our own little town school, and, and it's been great. It's been a great journey. It's, it's been a long road, and I'm just happy for Eagle Nation to be able to enjoy this. Oh, man, I know that feeling so well because when I lived in um, LaPorte County, Indiana, there was a little school, the uh, Marquette Catholic Blazers. I covered their boys' team. No one gave them a chance. Not only did they win their conference, they went all the way and won the state championship when no one gave them a chance. And we beat the number one team in the state of Indiana in Class 1A to do it. So I feel 
all of that emotion <laughs> from you, my man. I feel all of that yeah. emotion. It is. It's, it's, it's a great story. And it's, it's just wonderful for the, the community, the kids, for everybody to, to experience it. it the experience, and it, it, it's been awesome. These past two years prior to this one, obviously, uh, you know, we were really hoping to be able to defend our title this year, our team. If we play in February, we'll look a lot different. Our top five guys are moving on to college. So we'll be missing five of our guys that would have been starting this uh, past fall. Yeah, that was that's my next question here. With football being moved to a March 2021 start, it's affected many of the teams that had a lot of the talented kids that were already committed or getting ready to commit to a college to further their playing careers. But due to the season starting in the spring, many kids have opted out of playing the season so they can enroll early in college. Who are some of the kids that on your team that have or are thinking about deciding to bypass the season due to their situations? And what was the role in helping them make that? What was your role in helping them make that choice? Sure. We'll, we'll actually have five guys on the offensive side, receiver Micah Crowell and Jamison Warren. Jamison Warren was obviously the offensive MVP in the state championship game. Michael will be going to NC State and Jamison's going to A&T. My left tackle, Jaden Lindsay, is going to be going to App State. My quarterback's going to Coastal, Ty Lyles, and my DN will be going to NC State. So we got five guys that we know right now that won't be playing. Um, but that's good. I mean, we talked. I really think a majority of the guys would come back if we knew for sure we were going to have a season. But with the, the uncertainty of us even playing in February or March, it's just the right thing for them to move on and start their college career and better themselves in that way. You know, I can't be selfish as a coach um, without not knowing what's going to happen in the future. So, you know, sat down and talked with many of the players and their families, and that's kind of what uh, they all decided to do. Coach Wheeler joining me here on the program. The NCHSAA announced realignment for the state in 2020-21 but the biggest news may have been the changes to football there's no longer eight subdivisions but it's back to four divisions one through 4a with only four champions is this a good thing or a bad thing for high school football in north carolina i think it's bad for the whole state of north carolina point blank and i i've I might be one of the most outspoken guys but i've talked to over 30 coaches since this has happened and none of them are happy. Um, I, do we Should we have eight conferences or eight divisions? I don't think so. But we should probably have anywhere from five to six or bust it up. And I think it should include all the other sports. Yes. I think where the state has made a, the hugest mistake is that sports like basketball, soccer, baseball, softball, they haven't been included in this. Yeah. That's where I think – the biggest mistake has been because I agree that those sports deserve to have other opportunities too. It's not fair for Glenn high school who might have 1500 kids to be playing Charlotte schools that have over 3000 kids. Mm -hmm. That's not fair. That first of all, it's not safe either. No they preach safety. It is not safe to, to put schools like that up with double the size of enrollment. So I think they really made a mistake. And I, I'm kind of upset on the way they did it because they kind of hit everybody 
nobody knew that was coming. Right. So I, I, I really, I think the coaches are very disappointed in that also. I had a chance to talk to a few administrators and a few coaches myself. I've only uh, been here in Carolina for about a year and a half, but I've dug in, I've done a lot of research, and then this happens, the pandemic happens, and then this announcement happens, and you're absolutely right. There are a lot of kids in other sports. Football is the cash cow. We know that. Football is king. No matter High school football, in terms of cash, is king no matter what state you're in. I was born and raised in Chicago. I called games in Chicago as well as the state of Indiana, and I did uh, North Carolina last year. Other sports and other students in those other sports deserve just as big of an opportunity as the foot as the football players do. And I am one hundred percent supportive of that. There is no doubt in my mind that's what's kind of getting missed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a power struggle between some of the higher ups. And at the end of the day, it affects coaches a little bit, but at the end of the day, what, what's really happened and what has disappointed me in the association is they're affecting young people's lives. Yes. And we're supposed to be working for these young people. They are taking away opportunities mm-hmm. from these kids and from their parents and from communities. And my big question is, why would you do that? Why yeah. would you take away this day and age? Why would you take away opportunities? for kids and for families and 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 towns to enjoy something like this. Yeah. It just in a in a pandemic where we got so many bad things going on, you're going to add to it. I mean it, it's just it's it's shameful and and one of the coaches said he had one thing to say after 30 years of being a part of this thing is he was just embarrassed. And I I mm-hmm. think that's my thing. I'm embarrassed that our associations can't get along and this is the outcome that we're going to punish student athletes and their families because associations, I'm going to just call it the way it is. They can't get along and make a decision. Right. So we're going to do certain things that hurt other individuals. And it's shameful. Did it seem like, well, it, it seemed like a gut punch when the, when the announcement came down and I know it was a gut punch, but if, speaking of your kids, how how have they taken it? How uh, if you had a chance to communicate this with your kids, how have they taken it? Well, they, they've been okay. I mean, we 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 won two state titles in four A, but we have been very close a couple different times in in four double A. We lost to Mallard Creek in in overtime. We were actually winning the whole game, and one of my coaching times I'll never forget but you know for us it's not about us and my kid my kids are ready to play whoever right at the end of the day it's not fair for Wataga AC Reynolds some of these other schools to play it's just not right I mean and and I'm not here just fighting for Eastern Sites I'm here fighting for 1A schools the 4A schools and I'm fighting for softball volleyball baseball basketball all the sports yeah why do we not want kids to experience I, I, let me tell you this Brian the last two years of what we've it's great winning the state title win, but just the life experiences yes. my kids and my community got to go through is something they'll never have sports is just different mm-hmm. and to take that opportunity away it's shameful and I think people grown folk have have missed the the mark of what we're here for we are here to serve the student athletes 
and their parents and the communities, and we're fighting amongst ourselves. And, and I, I am. I'm embarrassed to be part of the profession in these associations right now. Uh, you said something about how the community supports your team. When I covered baseball state finals in uh, suburban Chicago, in Joliet, Illinois, I did all four classes. They had just moved up uh, to, to, uh, to four classes when I started covering them. The 1A mm-hmm. schools, you want to talk about loud noises and how they supported the kids and supported each other, especially if you're a team that – the big the big schools don't expect to make it down to make it downstate. I've seen it happen. I've experienced the miracle. I mean, a three A game I called in twenty fourteen was a walk off victory. You think they didn't blow the roof off the joint? <laughs> oh, <I bet. laughs> you you think I mean down one nothing. They only had one hit headed to the bottom of the seventh inning. The first two men get out, and then the next thing you know, a single, a bunt single, and then a game-winning double to win it. Like I said, you... That's incredible you, right there. That, that, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little excited just listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to play a clip of that. You know, on on the show soon, so people can cool, understand. Yeah. I'll find I'll find that clip later this week, and I'll make sure I get it to you, just so the folks listening can understand what you're talking about as a coach and what I experienced as an announcer. One final note: the state also announced that the regular season will be reduced to ten games, down from eleven. How big of a deal is that to lose a game? Um, I, I'm kind of for that, to be honest. I'm for us only playing ten regular season games. Right. The big, the big problem is though, is they want to make one of those games an endowment game, mm-hmm. which then that money goes once again to the association. To the, right. Well, that means you kind of leave me with only four home games every other year. Right. Well, it's hard. It's hard to. In our county, our school system doesn't give us any money for athletics. So we have to earn our money. And now you take away one home game from us, that's the issue. I'm with them on the thoughts of only playing 10 games. Mm -hmm. The problem is where they're going to get some kickbacks is the football coaches are are great with the 10 games, but not if one's got to be an endowment game. Yeah, And that's that's where something's got to – that that could get really brutal too, and I know the coaches. They're they might be more upset with that than only having four classifications. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's just kind of been tough. I mean, it's been kicking the gut, kicking the gut, kicking the gut. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And and I, I know we're getting a little long here, but the thing is, we're in a different generation too, Brian. Yep. Kids want to know that they can obtain something. Yes. And if they know that they go and play and they are never going to make it to a conference title. And people these days think that kids just play sports just to go out and play. and be. Those days are over. Kids yeah. don't really do that. They want to obtain something. They, and that's why, you know, I'm worried about that, especially mm-hmm. for football. Some of these places, 
kids are just going to stop playing sports. There's yeah. so many other options right now, and we're driving kids out of sports. And that there's data, data and that supports that kids aren't playing sports. And we're to me, we're helping create that data even higher. Yep, yep. Because the way kid the way kids are today. And again, I've done travel baseball, did it for seven years. They want to know they can play for a title. They want to have a chance to climb that mountain. They want a chance to climb the mountain they thought they could never do, to do something. And I've I've said it throughout the course of this this interview, and I know we're coming up on a break. So it's, it's like they want to do something. They want to do the impossible. They want to do the impossible for their teammates for themselves, for their parents, for their friends, for their community. They want to do the impossible. And taking that away is going to hurt them and drive more kids away from sports. It's it's a simple thing, Brian. I'm glad you I'm glad you see it. I'm gonna tell you this. I've talked to a bunch of high the high school football coaches, baseball coaches, softball, they they all see it too. So we I hope somehow we can get some kind of emergency thing and get everybody together from the associations and all the football coaches mm-hmm. and basketball, baseball, softball together and, and help out the youth of America because they're struggling right now and it's our duty to help them. It is serve indeed. Them. It is indeed. We have to we have to serve and we have to help these kids. That is Coach Todd Willard of the defending two-time state 4A champs, East Forsyth Eagles. Don't forget, folks. This don't forget, folks. This year, Tobacco Road Sports Radio will be the home for East Forsyth football for 2021, as well as the Nest with Todd Willard, hosted by Rod Funderburg. Coach, an absolute thrill and an honor to have you on, and I hope you come back again. Hey, I'll be here anytime you need me, Snowman. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you for everything. We go around the ACC next after the break. Hey guys, it's Desmond Johnson, and I want to tell you about Retro King, the number one sneaker boutique in the triad. Buy, sell, and trade large selection of new and pre-owned sneakers. Latest popular releases like Jordan, Nike Air Max, Air Force One, SB Dunk, Bomposite, Off-White, Adidas, Yeezy, including apparel by Supreme, Bait, Cause, Champion, and much, much more. And the best prices in the triad. Stop by today and check out their vast inventory selection, conveniently located at 1531 Haynes Mall Boulevard in Winston-Salem, beside Cookout, across the street from Walmart, Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to 6.30, Friday and Saturday, 11.30 to 7.30, and Sunday, 12 to 5. Give them a call, 336-999-7000. Follow them on Instagram, at underscore retro underscore king. That's at underscore retro underscore king. Always look your best. Shop Retro King, the cleanest new and pre-owned shoes around, period. 